Blueprint Church from the very beginning, we said that we wanted to be an answer to the prayer of Matthew chapter 9, 35 to 38, when Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send out more laborers. When we planted this church, we planted and we wanted to be a blueprint. In our 10 years, we've been able to send out seven churches, um, most of which have all been raised up indigenously in our church and been sent out out of our church. And in there, there's a lot of pain, but, there, but there's also a lot of joy. And so this idea of both family and community and also being on mission has constantly been this tension. And that's been the tension that we've had um, from Blueprint since the beginning. Welcome to the Send Columbus podcast, a podcast designed to share strategies and stories about planting churches in the city. Your hosts are church planting catalyst, Chad Grigsby and Send City missionary, Dean Foltz. Well, thanks for joining us on another episode of the Send Columbus podcast. Um, I'm here with uh, Dean Folks. Dean, who is our guest today? You know, Chad, we are blessed today that Dahadi Lewis uh, is with us. He's the vice president of the Send Network for the North American Mission Board. So he's got a huge responsibility. And at the same time, one of the things I appreciate the most about him is that he continues in his role as the lead teaching pastor at Blueprint Church um, in Atlanta. So we're super excited uh, to have him. We're grateful to Winco Companies for sponsoring the podcast uh, today as we kind of get to hear Dahadi's story and talk some church planting. Yeah. So Dahadi, for those that maybe don't know you, don't know your story, uh, would you tell us just a little bit about how you ended up planting Blueprint how you ended up being in Atlanta, connected to Atlanta, and then how you got to be VP of Send Network. That's a loaded question, but yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah, so like how much time do we have? I mean, <laughs> 20 minutes. Just, yeah. You said like for those who don't know me, which is everyone, and then you say, <laughs> you know, how much, you know, pretty much tell your whole life story. And no, I, I'm it well this is listen, you know, I'm one of the most unlikely candidates, you know, to be in the role that I'm that I'm in, you know, I'm blessed by the Lord. And, and this is one of the, the, the encouragements that I've constantly had is like, God, like you have placed me here. This is not something that I did a life map or a schedule or like, like, you know, here's a five point plan to doing this. And like, I don't have any of that. It was literally God kind of forcing me and, and pushing me, you know, in this, in this way. And just, it's kind of like, so I'm, I'm honored and I'm to, to do what I do and get to do what I get to do, even as Dean talked about the, the chance to even lead Sin Network and at the same time be still lead Blueprint Church is a blessing, which three, four years ago wouldn't have been a possibility. But because we have trustees that believe in kind of where we're going in the direction and, and Kevin Nazale has just been really good. But just to give you a little bit about myself, um, yeah. like I was actually raised in not in the church. I was not raised in the church at all. I was raised by a pro football player. You know, my dad played professional football, play, uh, football, so I was born in Hollywood, but we quickly moved to um, Canada. So when my dad played for the CFL, for the Calgary St. Peters for about six years, five, six years, and then from there went to, uh, we went to New Orleans where he played for another five, six years, you know, there. And so my first few years was about sports. Football was my God. Everything that I did and didn't do was because of sports. My dad's career ended early. Um, it was because of drugs and alcohol. You know, he got caught up in the NFL life and, and all of that. And then, and then immediately we went from a middle-class family, you know, getting whatever we want to literally a year later being on welfare because my dad got cut 
and he got caught up in the life and he disappeared. And I, you know, so from about my middle school years, my dad disappeared. And so for a long time, there was like, I lived a typical inner city kid story where, you know, I was raised by my mom and my and aunts and grandma and, and all the dads were gone, you know, and we were just there trying to fend for ourselves. And, and so some of the most formative years was this there, but it really had an adverse, you know, kind of a, a different effect on me because it was, I was so surrounded by drugs and alcohol. I was just like, I don't want that to take place in my life. And so I never drank, I never smoked, I never did any of that because it was so saturated in my community and my family life and everything. And I wanted to be a pro athlete like my dad. So everything that I wanted to do was to be like my dad, but I didn't want to make the same mistakes that my dad made. So I was just like, I'm not going to drink, I'm not going to smoke, and I'm going to, but I'm going to go and be a pro athlete like my dad. And so like all the way growing up, people have said, Dahadi's a good kid. However, it wasn't because I was trying to be a Christian or anything. It was just simply because I wanted to be a pro athlete and lived in an environment that that would easily take me to a place I didn't want to be and associated with people I didn't want to be um, associated with. But I was constantly around. Long story short, you know, like my dad left, my mom got caught up in the drugs, all these things, but none of that led me to Christ. What did was I didn't have a scholarship to a major division one school after college or after high school, I mean. And so after high school, I was just like, oh, there has, you know, that there's something, like I had started searching and I started realizing there had to be more than life than sports, mm. you know? And that really in my early college years started going and I started searching for like religion, Hinduism, Buddhism, African tribalism. I just started studying all the different religions to try to understand. So what ended up happening, I ended up coming to know Jesus, you know, my second year in college. From there, I met, a, I met a guy named Art Hooker. He introduced me to First Christian Community. And I started learning. I was just like, oh, because I was just like, being Christian is like, okay, go to church every Sunday. I didn't really even know. But it, people was just like, he introduced them to community. And they started knowing their Bible. And I didn't know like stories like David and Goliath and Samson <laughs> and Delilah. Like these stories were foreign to me. So I would basically always go back and I would go read like the word. Like as I would hear people talk about these stories because I thought that all Christians knew their Bible, right? And I didn't know, you know, Christianity, but I knew hard work because I'm an athlete, right? And so I would go back and I would read. And so I tell people all the time, in my early college years, I was in like spiritual tour days, right? I was going to Bible <laughs> study every single day and every single night. So what ended up happening is that I started learning that Christians knew a lot of Bible stories, but they didn't really know their Bible. Mm. And then my friends didn't really know their Bible. And I started growing a passion to helping my friends know it. You know, at the time I was going to study, like um, on, on campus, I was going to a lot of white or white, you know, things like Campus Crusade for Christ, InterVarsity, which were predominantly white organizations. Mm. And because I lived amongst the affluent community, I felt comfortable in that community, but I also was on welfare. I felt, you know, cool with that community. But what I didn't see was that there wasn't a bridge. And so what I would do early on is I would take what I was getting and then I would go and apply it to my context. And I did that for so many years, you know, because I found out that either I was around a group of people who understood my theology, but didn't have the same commitment to, to you know, they didn't understand kind of mission and they understand my context or I'd be around people who understood my context, but they didn't have the same commitment to theology and mission. Wow. And I was just like, I want to bridge these worlds together. And so that's what happened. As a student at the University of North Texas, I ended up going to North Texas. Student at North Texas, I ended up going 
there, starting a college ministry. That college ministry eventually became a church. And then that, you know, that church was just like we were there. And then what birthed out of that church was like people um, like Lecrae and Tadashi and 116 and all them all got saved out of our church. And we was all like there trying to reach people in our context. And, and the next thing we know that they had this national platform and then people was, was like, man, this both culturally relevant and doctrinally sound. We want this in our community. We was like, oh my goodness. And it was just kind of like this, like this God story all throughout. And then it came to the point where we were in Denton, Texas, 12 years just doing this. And Denton is not like your urban hub. It was just like you had your Walmart, you know, and it was a college town with a Walmart. But people were like, I want this. It was just like, okay, this is not going to happen here. So that's when we was like, we need to start a church in an urban context that's about church planting, you know, and that's why we named the church Blueprint because the definition of a blueprint is a plan or a process that's used as a guide that's to start something new. Mm-hmm. We wanted something that was both culturally relevant, doctrinally sound, and then that was about but missionally engaged. And that was about being the last generation that has to leave the urban context for sound discipleship. So we did that, planted Blueprint in 2010, 40 other people caught hold of that vision, moved from Denton and other places, moved to Atlanta to start Blueprint Church. You know, we started doing that for a couple of years and then that's when NAM started doing the SEND network, the SEND initiative, SEND City initiative. So from there, basically we jumped in and I came in as a contractor at, at the beginning. And now what, seven years later, now I'm the VP. So, I mean, I know I skipped a lot, yeah, that, no, but it was just kind of like, that's the long and the short version of kind of my, my story. So you didn't have any other connection with Atlanta before coming to plant there? Yeah, no connection at all. Outside of, there was a conference 20 years ago that we, we came to called the Impact Conference, which was a conference that was geared towards reaching African-American students on college campuses. So a group of us would come down to Atlanta a couple of times um, every other year to this conference. And so that was the only thing. And what's interesting is the hotel that I first um, kind of understood contextualization and all of that, I literally live a 10 minute walk, less than a mile mm-hmm. away. And we do ministry at that hotel um, there. And it, I had no idea, but it's just all kind of how God has orchestrated this. Yeah. Hey, um, one of the things, and we could talk about so many things today, uh, Dahadi, but one of the things I want to talk about is multiplication. One of the things that I love about Blueprint is um, when people ask me about you or about Blueprint, I say that one of the things about them is they give till it hurts. And so I love your relationship with James and with John O. And so I want you to talk just a little bit about planting those guys uh, out of Blueprint and planting with those guys. And then I just want you to talk a little bit about Blueprint blueprints reaction to planting because i think at our church at life point we feel the extremes we're so excited about sending and then the sacrifice that comes with sending can lead to revolt sometimes (laughs) right so i want you to talk about the the joy and the pain of multiplication but then also talk about like i said just your relationship with john o and and james and if you do if you throw in just a little bit of your passion for NBA basketball <laughs> and talk about how John O is a Houston Rockets fan, even though there's absolutely no reason to be a Houston Rockets fan. I would love that too. Yeah. So I mean, there's so much into that. And like 
you know, there's certain things that you can help people and there's certain things that you can't help people. And, you know, and we have sent out a couple of pastors that have been Houston Rockets fans. And I really don't understand. Like we tried to convert them many years, but he always comes. What's funny is that every year he comes with an apologetic of why the Houston Rockets are going to win this year. This is their year. You know, hey, so, a championship or two in the mid nineties, right? Yeah, but that was that was a long. <laughs> that was, yeah, that's like the Cowboys thing. What Cowboys? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, they always just talk about you know three decades ago. But um, you know, no, I mean, I think what you just said, church planning. There's a lot of joy with sadness when you think about church planning, and it really there's a lot of pain. Like it's always great on billboards and when you're talking about it and all that, but when you live it. It is, there's a certain reality. You see, Blueprint Church from the very beginning, we said that we wanted to be an answer to the prayer of Matthew chapter 9, 35 to 38, when Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send out more laborers. That has been a tension that the body of Christ has felt from the very beginning. Paul put it this way in Romans chapter one, he says, I have yearned to come be with you, but I've been hindered. He later on describes of why he was been hindered in Romans chapter 15, where he says, I've made, it my found, I've made it my aim not to preach Christ on another man's foundation. And so this idea of both family and community and also being on mission has constantly been this tension. And that's been the tension that we've had um, from Blueprint since the beginning. We planted the church on January 3rd of 2010. You know, like I said, 40 others came here, planted the church, which John was a part of that, Moochie was a part of that, and, and, and others were, were a part of that. When we planted this church, we planted and we wanted to be a blueprint, and like I, I've already shared, and we wanted, to, we wanted to embrace the beauty and the complexity of the city, and we wanted to send out and plant other cities. And so while we were in that process, we knew that we were going to plant. We knew that we were going to plant. And so we have been able to plant in our 10 years. We just celebrated 10 years this past January. In, in, in our 10 years, we've been able to send out seven churches Mm-hmm. Um, most of which have all been raised up indigenously in our church and been sent out out of our church. And in there, there's a lot of pain, but there, but there's also a lot of joy in there. So like, for instance, John O, I mean, I was ministering with John O for 10 years, you know, and then so like being there with it, like we built this together and like sharing and loving and having many, you know, having to console him many years for being a Rockets fan, you know, like, <laughs> like going through all of those things. But like, so after having that, you know, he, you know, seeing him, and I remember that, and I'll never forget the day, like we sent them out to go plant the church and then they were, they were gone. And I remember going into his office and like literally lamenting him, this grieving, like this is a new normal that is never going to ever be the same. And no matter how much we try to stay connected and all that, it's just never going to be the same. And there's, there's a lot of where there's joy that we're sending them out, but there's also sadness there. And you just think about the congregation every single time. We're not a big church. We have decided that we, we wanted to like stay, stay small, you know? And so for our church, we're relatively a small church. Literally, this was the first year, 2019 actually, was the first year that we decided to even go to two services, you know? And part of that is because of the pain that you, you mentioned. Our church revolted. Our church said, if you send out another church, we're not going because we're tired of saying goodbye. So our church revolted. So we literally had to say, all right, listen, in 2019, we are not going to send out any churches. In 2019, so all of 2019, we made a commitment, but we said, but we're still expected to continue to make disciples. So we had to go from one service to two services because up until that point, we're like, we have a church about, you know, our, our sanctuary fits about 500. We would get to about the 80% rule, 400, 450, and then we would send out. 
you know, and that's really what we've been, that's what we did. We constantly send, you know, got to a point, send out, got to a point, send out. And that's what we just constantly wanted to do. But until our church was like, we're not going. First, they stopped going because <laughs> with John O, we sent out, it was like a hundred people that left with, with John. But then every church after that was like, it was slowly decreasing. And I started saying, what, 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 why are you guys not going? It was like, because we're tired of sending people out. And so they like there was this like this literal pain of pain of going. So now it even got to our point of our city groups and our missional communities, you know, that our city groups is like, we're tired of sending out. Like, so everybody is just so frustrated. But what they're saying is that it's like it's hard to build deep relationships if we're always saying goodbye. Right. And so there's the, there's the pain. And even as a pastor, every single time when I get up and a church has just left, and I'm looking over the congregation and I'm looking at all the empty seats and I was like, oh my gosh, what did I just do? You know, and I always think about every single time and I always say, all right, you guys. And you know, they think I'm saying it to them, but I'm really saying it to encourage myself. <laughs> I tell them, I say, you guys know that empty seat next to you, that's your neighbors. And they think I'm casting vision, but I really said, all right, Lord, just please help me <laughs> to overcome that this, I know you were faithful last time that we did this, but is this gonna, you know, are you gonna do it again? So, I mean, there's so much pain and so much hurt and loss that comes with church planning and constantly saying goodbyes, that it is, that there's joy because you know the gospel is going forward, but there's also pain. And so you see that with Jono, you see that with James. With, when I see that, Looking forward, I see what, what God is doing in New York. And I'm just like, man, praise the Lord and just the impact that they're having in the city. I see what John is doing in the West End of Atlanta. I see what Moochie is doing. I see what Ryan McCann, I see what all these churches are doing all across. And I'm praising the Lord mm -hmm. you know, for that. But I'm also grieving it because in our 10-year reunion, at least the churches in Atlanta, they all, they stopped. They didn't have their services. And they all came and celebrated Blueprint. And you just wow. see the magic that was in the room. Mm -hmm. God, like the presence. He was like, man, and you even grieve that. Like you're having joy, but you <laughs> grieve that. You're just like, oh man, if we could have came, if we'd have all been together, it would have been. So it's just kind of like, it, so it sucks, but at the same time, it's great. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, look, man, you keep sending the Rockets fans. You'll have nothing but a Lakers <laughs> church, man. Hey, that is Lakers true. <laughs> It's, it's to me, multiplication is like, I've never done this. So I'm speaking totally out of personal, not out of personal experience, but it's like marrying off feels like what would be marrying off your daughter. You know, this person that you've raised, that you've, you've loved, that you've cared for, that you've been the primary person in their life that they look mm -hmm. to. And now you're passing her off to this guy, you know, it, cause it's joyous, right? That's the way it's supposed to be because that's how you be fruitful and multiply. But it's also like a part of you leaves cause it's your daughter, you know? And so, it's, and it's not that the love is not there anymore. It's yeah. not that the relationship is not there, mm. but like Dahadi said, it's never the same. Mm. It will, it will never, it'll always be different and mm -hmm. different for the gospel's sake. Mm -hmm. So it's worth it. So like, for example, when Blueprint launched James to go to Brooklyn, you know, we got partnered up with James. So that's been a blessing to us. Mm -hmm. So Dahati planting and multiplying James to New York has been a blessing to us because wow. we've taken multiple people from our church to the city, some yeah. of which will probably eventually be planters in other places. Yeah. And so multiplication, descending mindset, um, it, 
it sounds great. I, I mean, Dottie, I think the way you said that was, man, it looks good on a billboard. Yeah. It sounds great in materials and training classes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. the flip side of the coin is without that, we're not going to make it. Mm-hmm. The church in America won't survive without us multiplying and planting more disciples and more, more churches. Amen. So, Talk about that just a little bit, Dottie, from the Sin Network perspective. I know we're probably getting close on time here. We're good, yeah. But um, so we're coming through this whole COVID reality, and um, you're casting what I think is a great, a great vision um, for us, for the Sin Network. Um, but just talk a little bit about how we're handling that as a, as a church planting network. Yeah. You know, one of the things that we just have talked about in this is that, like, there's a reality that COVID-19 has put us all in. Like we are all lonely, right? We are all lonely, we are all afraid, we are all sad, all these things. And I think, you know, a lot of pastors have been pitting like fear versus faith. And I just think that that's a misnomer. I mean, the reality is is that we're all scared, right? Because none of us are in control. And all fear is is saying that we're not in control, you know? But it's really is like, what do we do with our fear? Do Do we take our fear to the one who is ultimately in control, which is our Lord, you know, or do we try to, gain control through anxiety and, you know, rage or whatever it may be. And I just think that it's really important for us to embrace kind of where we are and take where we are to God. Like we're all lonely. Like I I talk about the the introvert or the extrovert. The introvert is kind of stuck with a group of people so they never get a long time. And the extrovert is like, I'm stuck and I can't, you know, meet with all our friends. So everybody is feeling a sense of loneliness, a sense of wanting to be connected or get, you know, and so it's like, it's in a sadness and it's like the loss of, you know, what I was building, what I was doing. I mean, there's so many just different factors. But I think that this has created an opportunity for us as pastors, as, as, as a network, to send hope, help in one another. And I think that that's really what I love about kind of what we're doing with the Sin Network is that we grieve, but we don't grieve as those without hope, right? That we are proclaiming good news in the midst of this bad, the, mad, the bad news that we're constantly getting in this pandemic, we have a, a hope in the personal work of our Lord and Savior Jesus and the power of his Holy Spirit to empower us in the midst of this time. But he also has empowered us to give some tangible help, you know, to come alongside through our city teams, through different, that we can really be able to do that thing that like one another, that we can, we're stronger together than we are apart. And that's really what I love about kind of the Sin Network and, and why I'm a part of this is that I, as a football player, I, like, I believe that we can do better together than we can apart. Like, that's why I didn't play tennis and golf. And like, I, like I played team sports to come together because I just, I truly believe, you know, in that and just the need for that. And I think the Sin Network gives us that ability to do that, you know, because we have the ability to be both national and local. It gives us the ability of, you know, of all the efforts across, you know, our denomination to be put into a pot and for us to steward and to localize so we can be both national, but also local and very specific, you know, and I just really think that, that that's something that is a beautiful thing for us to, to embrace. And so as a network, I've been really encouraged um, about all of our missionaries and our churches or just our ability to talk about how granular they are, meeting some of the very specific needs in our city, while at the same time, us kind of having a national understanding, you know, and being able to share resources. So I can share, hey, this is kind of the reopening in Georgia and some of the churches are wrestling with it. We can send them to a Columbus or we can send them to a Denver or a Toronto 
And so it's just like, it's just that beauty of, um, of what I see with the Sin Network has just really been a real blessing, you know, for us. And I know you've talked about how um, the mission moves forward, right? We're not, we're not going backwards, right? Yep. We're, not, we're not retreating. Um, so over the next couple of months, as churches reopen, depending upon their local context, um, how do you foresee the Sin Network helping on a national scale um, when it comes to church planting, making disciples, as we kind of walk underneath that banner of the mission moves forward? Well, specifically, the, as you talk about the mission moves forward, one of the things that we have decided is to move everything virtually, you know, for this year, 20. 2020. And so as we kind of move in this, it's like, how do we bring high quality um, content, how, information, taking all those national leaders and bringing them to bear to helping people locally. And so on May 21st, we're going to be doing our first Sin Network virtual gathering that we'll be hosting live. Um, we'll be hosting there on the 21st. Then on June 4th, we're going to be actually talking, doing a Canadian gathering, a, a virtual gathering for, you know, for the Canadian planters. And again, just getting leaders. And then we got some more coming that we're, we're, we're talking about our assessments. Like, what does that look like to launch our assessments virtually, you know, um, and even doing, so we'll have a local, virtual, and kind of a hybrid. So we're talking about different various options of being able to do that. So assessing, still assessing, you know, we're talking about all of our training, our coaching, all of those things. You know, how do we continue to empower our churches to do that? you know, and by delivering, whether it's a hybrid, virtual, or even local um, vantage, you know, vantage point. And this gives us the ability to be extremely local, right? Is, you know, to be able to create where we can deliver some support virtually, but still go very locally. And so we got our gatherings, we have our, um, our, our training, our, our assessments, all of those things that are going um, virtually. And we're still, um, you know, utilizing the various tools that we have and having missionaries in every city, you know, or every, you know, in every state across North America gives us the ability to even meet some of the, the, the you know, local needs as well. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I think the, the local and national uh, connection with Sin Network makes it really exciting and fun to be a part of. Dahadi, thanks so much for joining us and just being with us. Uh, one more thing before we let you go, if you could give just a a word to, to church planters right now, you know, uh, maybe one piece of, of, of advice or just encouragement, what would that maybe one thing be? You know, I would say the, what COVID-19 has given us the ability to do is to do less trellis work and more vine work. Mm. And I don't know if you've read the book, Trellis and the Vine, if you haven't, it's a great book to go pick up. But a lot of times in our old, you know, the way we was doing church is that it spent a lot of time preparing for an event, preparing, you know, preparing for things. And I think what COVID-19 has given us the ability is just to genuinely connect with people, genuinely do divine work, the ministry, like praying with people, genuinely connecting with people, genuinely just studying God's word with people. Because people are not concerned about all the, the structure in the system. They just want to like be real, be authentic, be present you know, with me. And I just really want to just encourage our pastors, don't spend all of your time trying to focus in on the trellis work. Spend mm -hmm. more of your time focusing on the vine work. That's what Acts chapter six was about. He says, this is an important issue. Trellis work is important, making sure people are not overlooked and all that. 
But the ministry of the word and the ministry of prayer is of the utmost importance. And so I would just encourage our pastors, our planters, our leaders to do more vine work and less trellis work in this season. That's great. Man, thanks so much for spending time with us. We, we are very grateful for your leadership and all that you provide uh, through Sin Network. Honored to be a part of Sin Network and all the Lord's doing and appreciate your leadership. Yeah, and again, Dahadi mentioned, but we're having the Sin Network gathering is virtual. It's, it's online on May the 21st, right? Yep, May 21st. Um, so, and we hope folks will come out and join us. All right, thanks so much, and uh, we'll see you soon. Yep. All right, appreciate you. Thanks for checking out the Send Columbus podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and join us next time for another episode.